0: The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 25, Origins, Part 2. Welcome to The Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you right here. If you have a story to tell, we're currently looking for more personal ghost stories, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to the Podcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. We'd love to consider it for the show. In tonight's episode, I'll be going on a personal quest for the first time on this show. My mission... To determine if the experience that I had around age 11 of the young girl visiting me in my room was in fact a real paranormal experience, and not just my imagination. To do this, I'll need to find some form of validation, if any exists, that will corroborate this pivotal experience of mine. Using old audio recorded nearly two years ago, an investigation of my childhood home with Sarah and Alexis, interviews with friends new and old, and diving into the recesses of my own memory... I hope I can find some shred of validation for the spirit who visited me in my bedroom and left me fearful of my own home. The spirit I refer to as the girl in my room. Stay tuned. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so we highly recommend that you stop here and begin your journey with us on Episode 1, Ink Coffee and Spirits. Before we dive in, we have some relevant announcements for you listeners. Firstly, kicking off on January 2nd, Buenos Aires Cafe and Milonga Room will have a Night out Hidden Spirits menu. Just like our menu at the Clay Pit, there will be a selection of unique cocktails designed specifically for our show and the spirits that haunt this lovely cafe in East Austin. Once again, Sarah guided Milonga bartenders on the designs to best fit the spirits and their tastes, and much care and thought was put into the designs of these very elegant cocktails. So be sure to stop by Buenos Aires Cafe starting on January 2nd to try these new drinks. Remember, you're not only supporting a great local business, you're also going to be supporting our show. A portion of these special drink sales comes right back to us and helps us keep the show alive. Note that this hidden spirits menu will be available both at the upstairs cafe bar and down in the basement speakeasy Milonga Room. But please note that if you are going to want to attend Milonga Room, you must make reservations beforehand. Visit buenosirescafe.com for business hours and reservation information. The team and I will definitely be popping by a few evenings in January to raise a few glasses, so we hope we run into some of you there. Secondly, we're very excited to announce that the Night Out podcast has a headquarters, a home base here in Austin. And in even better news, it's at one of our favorite haunts, the Spider House Cafe. The space is looking great, and we're mostly going to be using it for our inventory, having meetings, and handling our business but we have plans to eventually have a small portion of the space designated as a small storefront where locals can come by and grab merch and shop other occult and paranormal curiosities. The team and I are trying to figure out some shop hours and availability, but we'll be posting that sometime in January. But in the meantime, I've set up an option on our online store where you can select local pickup already. So if you want to grab some merch now without the shipping costs, you can go to thenightoutpodcast.com and do so. You'll just need to reach out to us via email to schedule a time to pick up your items at the shop. In line with this announcement, our amazing team member Alexis and his partner Eric will also have a shop next door to us at the Spider House. Their practice, called City Alchemist, will have their own shop directly below Royal Legion Tattoo. They're still renovating the space but hope to announce their open date soon, so stay tuned. Lastly, each year the show takes a much needed break during the months of January and July. And I'll be needing this upcoming January break more than ever, as I've had a scary series of illnesses these last two months. Honestly, I love the show so much, but I'm realizing that the amount of work and stress it's taking me to keep it going is really taking a major toll on my health. So I'm going to make sure I take the time to recoup and heal this January. The show will resume with a new investigative series on February 24th. Many of you listeners have personally reached out to me to wish me many get wells and sending healing vibes, and I appreciate your support and understanding with my need to take care of myself and allowing me the space and time to do this. Another step in the right direction toward my general well-being is going part-time with my current day job once again. Support is growing for the show, and I'm just about able to support myself enough to go part-time permanently now. A big thank you to our Patreon supporters out there for making this step possible. If you love the show and want to know how you can best support it, in all honesty, it's Patreon. I absolutely could not make this show without the support of my amazing Night Owl patrons. So thank you to all those that have supported, continue to support, and to some of you who might jump on and become a patron tonight. To do so, just visit patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, slash the Night Owl Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs, and always delivered on time. OboyPrintShop.com That's O-H-B-O-Y PrintShop.com Mention the Night Owl Podcast and get $50 off your first order. When I was around the age of 11, I had an experience in my childhood bedroom that would haunt me for the rest of my life. A disturbing encounter with the spirit of a little girl who I discovered watching me in my sleep. I had felt her presence before and continued to feel her in my room throughout my childhood. But as most tend to do with traumatizing experiences, I pushed it back into the recesses of my mind. As I grew up and moved out of the house, the thoughts of her only resurfaced when I returned to my parents' house and had to face my old bedroom on occasion. My parents still have the house where this happened, but to keep these memories at a safe distance... I adopted the habit of not sleeping in this room ever since the incident. Even today, as an adult, I drag the mattress down the stairs and sleep where I always slept growing up following the incident, on the living room floor. Looking back at this, I realize now that avoidance probably wasn't the healthiest way to deal with what happened, but it was safe and a lot more comforting than the alternative, actually facing it. But in a field that's led me on a quest, poking and prodding in the realm of the paranormal, I should have known that some point in all my meddling, I might actually stir something up from my very own haunted past. That this little girl who visited me in my room when I was 11 might notice my meddlings and once again come back to haunt me. In the previous episode, I retold the haunting story of the girl in my room. I always knew that this experience had a major impact on me and was quite possibly the catalyst for my desire to study the paranormal. But one thing I never expected was the phone call that I received from clairvoyant friend Sarah. The call where she confessed seeing the spirit of a small girl matching the description of what I saw in my room when I was 11, who she believed was connected to me somehow and desperately wanted to communicate now. The two things that rattled me after this call were, one, I'd never told Sarah about my childhood experience and her description of her was spot on. And two, this girl that I thought I put behind me could possibly have been with me my entire life, looking for an opening or a chance to connect with me once again, without me ever even knowing she was still there. The phone call that you heard at the end of the previous episode, Sarah had actually called me while I was working out at the gym. It was all a bit jarring and disorienting to get back to my workout after I heard all that she had to say, but I needed some time to process it all. What you're about to hear is the second phone call that I made with Sarah when I had time to get more settled and think about what she had told me. I wanted to get more clarification on what she saw and see if we could actually get to the bottom of this.
1: The concern I had, Stephen, I just thought it was just something, kind of like, you know, when I talked to you, you were talking to me about the spider house initially, and you were talking to me, and I started getting Patrick, I started getting Christina, and it was just kind of like those things that were kind of filtering in. They weren't too strong. But I was getting these little things like, oh, okay, I'm going to hang out there. And then there was someone else. And when we went to the spider house, I was like, oh, there's this other girl kind of looming around. It's the same person that I saw earlier. It could be something different. And I just shut it off. I mean, there's some things that I can just ignore, and I just ignore it, and I don't think anything of it. And then I got wrapped up with the screamer and doing something else. So I was just like, okay, whatever. And then I started noticing that every time you would call and I would miss your phone call, I would see this little, like, blur of a person kind of either standing near my phone or appearing in different places until I would go and check my phone and I'd be like, oh, oh, look, like Steven called. Or I didn't know you'd call, like maybe I was doing something a little bit distracted and all of a sudden this little cloud or this little shadow would just kind of like pop up and be like, hey, go check your phone. So I would go look at my phone and oh look, like, Steven called. Or right before the phone's going to ring, it would, sh- you know, it would show up, and it's just this. It was at first this little weird cloud that I knew it was a girl, but I couldn't quite figure out. Image it wasn't really clear. I just knew it was a girl. It was wearing something white, and I was like, okay, cool. And then it just started coming in stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until this last time that you called me, you had left a message, and I was like, okay. I heard my phone ring, and I was like, okay, I'll get to it right now, and I kind of. Forgot about it because I started doing Christmas stuff around the house. And I went to sit down and looking towards my bedroom where my phone was at, she was standing in the doorway. And she was clear as day. Like, the only thing I couldn't see was her face because her face was kind of, like, tilted down. But if she was just wearing, like, this all-white robe. She had really long, like, I want to say it was, like, weighty, dark hair. And she just stood there, stood there and stood there and stood there until it finally annoyed me so much. I was like, fine. Let me get up and let me go look at my phone. And sure enough, you had called me. So I'm like, what is going on? Why is this happening every time he calls or every time something happens or right, when, right before you're going to call me? So it's the weirdest thing. Like even today, I finally ended up just texting you to see how you were doing because it was still one of those like, hey, get a hold of him. You know, you haven't checked on him today and he was supposed to call you yesterday. Like it was like she knew already. And so it's really kind of freaking me out, and I really wanted to kind of sit down with you. And I know you had kind of mentioned some stuff that you've had in your past, but I don't know if this is associated or if this is something different. So I'm I just, I'm just concerned because it started off as something like a little blip, and now it's more clear. I don't know what kind of line this person has, but they know that if they get to me, they can get to you. And that's mm-hmm. what's kind of freaking me out. So that's why I said uh, when I talked to you earlier, I really want to just meet somewhere, we'll talk it over, but we need to meet somewhere neutral, someplace that's not, like, at your house or places that you normally frequent. We need to find, like, a place that you normally don't go to because it's just really strange. I've never really uh, figured out why that happens, like why sometimes it gets associated with certain things, but with you, it's really strong, and so that's just kind of strange for me. Yeah, I'm in the same
2: boat because, uh, <laughs> like, I, like I said, um, I haven't told you anything about this What you're describing is exactly what I saw when I was 11, and that literally terrified me that I, to this day, I don't ever sleep in that bedroom, which was the only bedroom. I would drag the mattress down a flight of stairs every day,
1: and as an adult, I still do this. (laughs) Yeah, well, we need to to fix this. (laughs) Yeah,
3: (laughs) it's something i really
1: weird because i normally if i get something they usually stay in the same um, strength pattern okay so if i initially see it as a smoky cloud or a shadow it stays a smoky cloud and a shadow there's no let's make it look nicer when we get there no this is like crystal clear person standing right there when it started as just a little blip of something And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, hmm, why is it getting... To me, it's like, why is it getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger? That's the thing that's freaking me out. And it's to the point where she'll stand there and point at my phone. Like, pick up the phone. Hmm. Like, demanding. Pick up the phone, check the phone, look at it. And she'll sit there until I go and do it. Weirdest thing.
2: How old do you think she is?
1: She looks... Anywhere between nine and... 11. It's interesting.
2: The reason I do what I do and the reason I'm so like involved in research and studying and sort of have become fascinated with the paranormal is because of that incident I had in my room when I was eleven, and it's all tied to what I saw, and what you're describing is exactly what I saw, so it's just very this is now very intriguing It's a little scary, but I'm going to keep my head on straight. See, I do this for other people because I don't want to face what I have to face. My parents still live in that house, and I still have to go into that room and i get I usually bring the mattress down because I don't stay up there.
1: we need to figure out because now it's just kind of following you so yeah. if if it's been doing this this whole time and it's using me as a channel to get a little stronger, then we're going have we need to do something about that. We yeah. can't just ignore it.
2: I didn't think this would ever come about. I thought this was- do- done and gone. The whole reason I did this was because I wanted answers and so. It's very interesting that this is happening because this is the one thing that's haunted me for about since I was 11 years old, and I still deal with it, you know what I mean? So, I'm going to have to go on this journey, and our listeners are going to get to go along with this. I'm kind of going to expose a lot of myself in it, but I guess that's the way it's going to go. Bye. No, it's okay. That's part of, what, part of why I did this thing. I'm I'm looking for answers just like everyone else there listening is, so... If this is going to come... I mean, I couldn't ask for probably anything better because I, I wanted these answers. I'm just not, I'm not excited to deal with them. You're not excited. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just hoping that it's, you know, something we can deal with and, and figure out.
0: Following this call with Sarah, I had to get in touch with team member Alexis. He was one of the only people who knew my personal experience. First, I confirmed that he actually had not told Sarah about it either, And then I went on to inform him of what just unfolded on the phone with her.
2: So you know about my story with the girl that I experienced in my room when I was a kid? Mm Mm-hmm. Sarah calls me the other night. I'm at the gym. She says she needs to talk to me about something personal and it's completely takes me off guard. So I go outside and listen to the call and she tells me that she's seeing this figure that is now taking more of a shape than the shape is of a girl. And then she goes on to describe the girl, and it matches pretty much to a T what I saw in my room when I was a kid. And so it was really kind of shocking to me. I still hadn't revealed anything to Sarah, but she wants to meet. She says that this girl somehow wants to communicate. has some sort of pull or draw to me that she's been following me for quite a long time now, seeing that she might be from my childhood, and that she wants to meet somewhere neutral, not at my, any place that's personal to me, not my house, not where I work, none of the places we visited, so should we have to go somewhere like a cafe or something and and talk? But I'm curious to know, like, what you think about the whole situation, like, this spirit, who she might be, how the hell could Sarah have seen her, and, like, why is she coming to Sarah now? It just kind of all blows my mind. So what are your thoughts and theories on it? The thing that's interesting is the fact that she saw her tells me that this spirit may have not just been, like, a random passing spirit from when you were a kid. So this was like a spirit that like just randomly came across whenever you you basically had an astral projection so you were doing. You were projecting and, and then the spirit was there. So that tells me that there may be a little bit more to the spirit itself, that it could be possibly like a guide or somebody that actually is around you. But the thing about that is that a lot of spirit guides very rarely are children because in order to be kind of a spirit guide, you have to have a lot of elevation. And very few, like, children would have a lot of elevation unless, like, they were extremely spiritual in their life, like a Native American or possibly, like, a Buddhist, you know, monk or something along those lines. The other thing that's also interesting is that she didn't see her clear at first. She was just going to see, like, a shape of her. And that tells me that the spirit itself was having, like, a lot of time kind of manifesting. So that also says, like, that could not be a guide, because guides are pretty strong. They wouldn't kind of dematerialize. They're usually pretty strong and coming forward. You know, we, we've talked about this before, about spirit attachment, and that's kind of what could be going on in the situation, is the idea that, like, a spirit that is attached to you in some way. Why, I don't know. But that's kind of what I'm getting from, from what you're saying. Yeah, and then... Just my confusion, too, about the whole situation is, like, after, you know, so many years, if I was 10 or 11 is what I'm thinking I was when I saw her and had this, you know, pivotal experience in my life with the paranormal, you know, you look now and I'm 35, it's, you know, nearly 24 years later. I don't understand, like, I've never felt her since, other than, like, being afraid at my house, obviously. But I'm curious to know, like, is it something the Spirit can just... Like, reconnect somehow or another? Is it something that I did? Is it something that maybe Sarah and I got in contact with? What spawned this, uh, this vision and why she's back, you know? Well, I mean, she could have always been there in some way, shape, or form, but at the same time, it could have been that maybe she wasn't and just now you're kind of getting reconnected with her through, you know, everything that we're doing now by working more with the, with, with spirits, working more with the paranormal, you know, and, and, she could have been kind of lost in that ether or lost in that other side, and then now she's kind of bound you again and and she's drawn to you again. But that's the only thing I can think of because, I mean, I've been to your house. I've actually stayed there back when we used to do cases with OSS. But I never saw anything there or felt like there was a spirit there per se. So I don't know if it would be so much as attached to the house as it would be kind of attached to you.
0: So at this point... I'm really unsure where this will all lead. And I'll be completely honest, I was very nervous about it all. I'm not going to try to hide the fact that, although it should be obvious, this child spirit is something that evoked fear in me as a kid. So to face her now wasn't exactly exciting or appealing to me. Although I knew if Sarah was bringing it to my attention, in some way, shape, or form, it was important and we needed to address it. So the next step was to attempt to make contact with the child. But Sarah wanted to try communicating in a public space a place we all didn't frequent and that was somewhat busy. Not ideal for a recording session, but hey, you know how we do it here. We just roll with it and capture everything live and in the moment. So excuse some of the audio. So Sarah eventually found a cafe in North Austin that me, her, and Alexis could meet, sit down, and attempt our first conversation with the girl from my room.
4: My concern is that it's getting stronger, but not necessarily threatening. It's more kind of She's more questioning, like, can you see me? You can, you can, right? And it's like she's adjusting her image so that I can clearly see that she's there. But it is more of an association with you, which is kind of like, we really need to deal with this. And since you mentioned that you had issue when you were younger, I'm thinking maybe it's a 20-some-odd-year-old message that she's trying to get to you, or she's just always been there for this long period of time, just trying to figure out how to get you to see her. So I'm not, I don't know, I'm not sure. But she's not talking to me yet. So it's really just kind of like, oh, you see me? Good. Now call him back. Or, oh, you, you know, it's more like that. And I even know, even moments, like, maybe you, maybe I've kind of, like, been a thought, and then all of a sudden it's like, she's there? And then later on that day, you'll call me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, let me answer the phone. So it's just an interesting thing, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be anything bad but she's not talking to me yet. When she initially came in, it was really just kind of all hair, like a wavy brown, I guess, if you want to say hair, right? And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's just like a little face and a little fog. Now it's kind of like she's in a, like a white something, like it's, I want to call it like pajamas or a gown or something like that, just kind of, there she's young she's anywhere between maybe nine and eleven i don't know she could be really thin or small for her age i don't i don't know but it's a child it's not a full adult so it's like oh okay and she just has this really weird aura of like oh like she needs to be seen and i can't shake that off of her enough to talk to her or to get her to give me a clear image other than your face so I'll see your face or I'll see is anything associated with you or you know something like that something that I already associate with you like your beard or your stuff. so I've already have like associating tells and she shows me those associating tells other than that that's all
0: how about if we try right now what if what if I ask a couple questions to you and if she shows you something Let's, okay
4: we can do that
0: the thing i would wonder is is she showing you anything about where she's from or, like, where it all happened when I had my incident or anything like that nature?
4: It's, um, home. It's just home. All she's giving me is home. A house, the comforts, the warmth, the window. A window. A window and home. That's all she's
0: giving me. Is there a reason why she's there? That's what I'm wondering. Why is she on that property or why is she at that house?
4: All right, I know, it's Steven. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: Why, Why? what do you need? See, see, see me, it's all I'm getting, Mm -hmm. see.
0: Why did you want me to see you, why?
4: Hold on, I'm gonna get past the excitement, like she's excited and I'm getting excited, so I need to kind of like Mm -hmm. rub it down, hold on. Mm -hmm. It's just, see, see what? That was too fast, I didn't see that. Can you do it again? can you at least give me your name maybe um, some letters some numbers something no no that's Steven that's a sword like a um, I want to say like a sword in water almost like a uh, it's just a sword in water that's what I'm getting I'm getting a sword in water it looks like it's on fire but the water's around it and then she's just saying see see me see everything I, I don't know I don't know and then just Steven's face everywhere, so I need to get my I don't want to look at him no more. It's a lock, so like a lock, what do you do? Are you safe with a lock, a lock? And then just a sword and water, I don't know. I don't know what that means.
0: Yeah, I'm completely at a loss with those. That's And I'm just getting
4: eyes, like see, everything, see, and windows. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm getting. Okay. She's running. She's showing me running. Running. He's not... I don't think he's going to be scared. Again. You can talk to him. Or you can talk to me. Whichever it is. Just... Lots of running. Running.
0: Is she showing her <laughs> yeah. running or me running or...? It's just... It's like You an running.
4: An image of you running just locks it's like she keeps saying locks swords <laughs> water that's all I'm getting
0: does she does she give any indication of like how did she How did she die what happened to her at that age
4: water water which makes sense the way that I see her so she must have drowned <clears throat> it makes sense on how I see her because I I can't see her face it's always just her hair's just everywhere all the time is there a pond near your house? Like a pond, it's it's going to be... Uh, s- slow down. It's going to be like a... Space. Like there's lots of space and then there's like a, a hole, like a pond. Some trees, but they're not tall. They're short, like shrubs. But that's not... It's not important. She's almost like... That's not important. She answered the question, but it's not important. I don't know. I don't know. Does your window face anything? A field. Is there a pond in the field?
0: Not that I can see. But it goes on for miles and miles. It's just, I live on the country, so it's just country pastures. We built our house on a 12-acre plot that had no trees, nothing at all. It was just a flat piece of land.
4: It's the same thing. It's same? It's just, sea See, sword, lock, windows, and it's almost like even when she, you asked how did you die, she was just kind of like, "This is how I died, but it's not important. Like move, move past that. I don't know. It's like a great puzzle that I'm gonna have to put together
0: later." Yeah, yeah. The only other thing I was curious was, am I the only one that's seen her, is other people seen her? She's still there. Yeah. My house? I'm just
4: trying to get her to, to calm. Mm-hmm. Four, four four people have seen her. Me, you, uh, a man, or a teenager, uh, and a girl. I'm gonna ask. Stronger on me, and I think it's just because I can talk to her. I don't think it's, I think that's why. And running, like, they're all running,
0: so it's like they all got scared. (laughs) There's a boy that was a teenager that was with me, and he ran when he saw something upstairs down the stairs and he never came back to my house my friend he never came back ever and we were best friends <laughs> <It>
4: makes sense <laughs> she's like they're all running away <laughs> and she's concentrating on the sword a lot the Sword. Um, when we this? start talking about running the first thing she does is put in the sword so it's run sword run sword
0: i never really and i don't know what that means
4: i don't know if that means I don't know what that is. Can you show me again? It's like a shield. Shield, swords, and the sword's on fire. She's saying home, home. She's like, it's a house, sword, shield, Hmm. lock. It's the same things over and over again. She just added the shield. I don't know what that means. I'm so
0: confused by that. Yeah. And then she's here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is she doing anything in particular? Is she like
4: just standing,
0: just standing, waiting. not doing anything around me or nothing like that? Just standing. And no sense of negativity or malicious intent. Just anxious and excited.
4: I get it. Sword. Sword. Um. She really wants me to know that there's this big sword. It's like, your yeah, sword. Um, it's huge. Every time you think negative, the sword comes in. So I'm thinking she's not... I think she's just safe. I don't think it's... Um, I think she's more like... I know you're screaming at me. She's going to jab my eyes out with these swords. I'm like really upset now. So that's, I get it. I get the sword thing. I totally get the sword thing. So I don't think she's... The intent is malicious. It's just... She needs you to see something. Whatever it is she needs you to see, it's at home. That's what it is. Lots of houses. It's at home. Here's the window.
0: There's the window. The window in my house, though?
4: I'm assuming it's going to be the one in your room. Because if that's where you saw you, that's where you sat, that's where you were at, whatever direction you were facing, maybe there's something she needs you to see.
0: The the house is available. We can go. I just, that's something I don't... I never, I don't like that place, I don't like the room. But I mean, obviously, if she didn't intend to scare me, then I can look past that point, you know? I was 11, didn't look normal, looked scary. And it, the, literally what I felt and what I understood most of all was that she was dying for me to look at her. Like that is the, that, and that bothered me in, my, in, the, in what happened is that I didn't want to look at her face because it looked dead. I
4: think you need to see
0: her. I think that's what
2: it is. So she talked about those those symbols, man. Like, yeah, the, they're crazy. I just don't get it. It's just continuous over and over again. Sword, fire, water, lock, and shield. You know, over yeah. and over and over again. I mean, obviously, I did a lot of research online, but it's just so weird. It, and it doesn't seem to match... If you look at it, a lot of it is biblical. It feels like a lot of it has biblical biblical significance. But there's also, I'm sure, you know, more symbolism in the occult and maybe metaphysical world with those symbols. But what's weird too is that it's so ancient, and this yeah. spirit is a child, and the child didn't look like from you know medieval times or anything of that nature either. So sword and shield and things like that don't seem to line up. What, what were your thoughts on all that? Like, just talk about that whole conversation with Sarah at the cafe that we met her at well the thing about the symbols I mean yeah this they're they're old they're ancient like you said but you have to remember if this girl is let's say from pioneer times you know she doesn't have points of reference to reference like she doesn't have television references to reference from she only has maybe book references so book references could be things like you know Old tales of the medieval, you know, knights or uh, old fairy tales and things like that. So that's kind of where she's getting her symbol references from. So that wouldn't be surprised to me if, if that, you know, kind of wh- why that correlates together. The other thing that was interesting to me: the actual symbols themselves, like sword, lock, key, you know, things like that. Those are like uh, protection symbols. You know, like protect. You know, a sword is protection. I think at one point it was like a, a sword with fire, or a sword on fire, which is like the flaming sword of, of St. Michael. It was a big symbol of protection. Locks are a symbol of protection. You know, it's either to keep things in or keep things out. So those are all interesting to me because that's kind of what she's saying. I mean, whenever Sarah was asking, like, what, you know, what do you want to tell Stephen? It was like sword lock. key, like, okay, so to me that's thing like, protection. But the thing that I don't know is—is—is is, is that you needing protection, or is that like kind of like I am protecting you, or is it like you need to be protected from her? You know, like if if she's something that's not necessarily not necessarily you know benevolent, that it could be something that is kind of like warning you, like hey, watch out, this girl is actually not good. News and you need to protect yourself. So I don't know. It's very strange. Like even the hungry ghost idea. Just so you know, this is just a, a child ghost that that just did not get the attention after their death. And so because of that, they needed. She would just kind of like act out, and that's the reason why she's there. It's just to kind of get your attention because she didn't she didn't get it in life. So those kind of things are all very interesting. But at this point, it's really up in the air. I don't know very much about who this spirit is. My personal feelings, based off of this, this, at this moment, are like, this could be something, definitely not a guide, but something that just kind of like is like a lost or trapped spirit who has found its way to you for some reason, you know. In spiritism, they talk a lot about how or, or why spirits come to us, and it's usually through some action or form in our life, like for instance, let's say you went through like a really bad childhood, and there was a child spirit who was killed by an abusive father. That spirit may latch on to you because you're going through a very similar thing, and they're kind of there to either help you or because they—that's the only thing they recognize—that energy. So that's kind of why spirit attachment happens. So in this case, we're trying to figure out why this girl in particular found its way to you.
0: Following my calls and conversations with Sarah and Alexis up to this point still left me scratching my head over this. I even researched those symbols online until I got a headache and had to go to bed. Nothing was clicking and I knew I was going to have to expand my search outside of online resources if I was going to make any headway on this case. Sarah expressed that she wanted to visit my childhood home. I wasn't thrilled with this, but I knew that it was the next step that made sense. But we couldn't get down there right away. We had to coordinate our schedules to make the road trip so it was going to be a few weeks before we could travel down to Pawnee together. So in the meantime, I decided to re-listen to the audio recordings of the phone calls with Sarah, Alexis, and also our trip to the cafe. And in doing so, two things popped out at me. Leads that I wanted to follow. Sarah had said something that intrigued me at the cafe. She said that the little girl told her four people had seen her. Me, Sarah... A young teenage boy and a young girl or woman. I had a very good idea who the young boy might be. My best friend growing up was AJ and like I mentioned earlier there was one day that I recall him seeing something upstairs near my room and getting so scared that he ran out of the house. And I want to say that this incident was in fact close to the same time I had my incident. We were best friends in elementary and middle school however we had to go to separate high schools and from that day on We completely lost touch with one another. And now, I had no idea where AJ was. No clue what city he lived in or how to even get in touch with him. I tried all social media outlets, but it seemed AJ just didn't have any. I badly wanted to track him down to see if this memory of him seeing something upstairs was true, and not just another fuzzy memory that could be my imagination. I felt that if this could be validated, it could be another tiny step in the right direction for us. My last ditch effort to find AJ was to send out a few Facebook messages to buddies that we all went to school with during our time in Pawnee. To my surprise, I got a response within the hour. And before I knew it, AJ had gotten word that I was trying to reconnect with him, and we were put in touch. I was so anxious to catch up with this old friend, but I was equally excited to know if my memory of this experience he had was in fact true. Here's what AJ recounted for me.
5: So we were in middle school, and we were best friends. I I used to go to your house all the time. That day that I was there, we were playing a game with a tennis ball on your stairs. I think we would throw it up at each other or something. I'm not exactly sure uh, what it was. I remember seeing something, a shadow, like next to me, like by the, by your room. And I just know I got scared really bad. I wasn't sure what it was. It, was a, it looked like a shadow or something. I couldn't make it out what it was. It just frightened me. So I ran down your stairs frightened and I think after that I don't even think I ever went back to your house again. And it frightened me that much. It really it really did scare me. I remember it because that's the only experience I ever had like that. I've never seen anything else like that and it scared me bad. So anytime anybody brings up ghost stories, that's mine. That's what I tell And that's the only one that I have. Maybe if there's something that like, like I would first that I may take it differently but at that time at that, at that age, like I was scared. And uh, I don't see how I could have reacted, other than being scared,
0: seeing what I saw. Wow. So it was true. My memory is in fact serving me right so far. AJ did see something that scared him up near my room. Scared him so badly that he didn't come back to the house anymore. But I don't blame him. That feeling is familiar to me, because I never wanted to sleep in that room ever again after what I saw. I didn't even like being upstairs, for that matter. This call with AJ was huge for me, because it was very validating. But after this, I was left struggling with the information that Sarah was getting from the spirit. The imagery that the girl was showing Sarah seemed to be very positive and protective. Both Sarah and Alexis were still being cautious, but they felt that she wasn't malicious, and that she was just connected to me somehow, and wanted to communicate with me, and only me. But I remained wary of this child's spirit, mostly because growing up, Following my incident, I met someone else in my life that would truly ignite my interest in the paranormal. His name was Mike, and he happened to be my new best friend's father. At the start of 8th grade, shortly following AJ's incident, a new student arrived to our sleepy little town in South Texas. I want to keep his name private, so let's just call him Seth. Seth would become one of the best friends I'd ever make, and we've remained close even to this day. But back then, in 8th grade, I started hanging out with Seth a lot, like an insane amount a lot. It got to where almost every weekend we were staying over at one of our houses. And during summer break that year, I was pretty much living at Seth's house, watching horror movies, drawing comics, listening to heavy metal, and stuffing our faces full of pizza rolls. But don't worry, this story is relevant. Where things got really interesting was one night at dinner. Seth, his dad Mike, mom, and two younger sisters would sit down and have dinner at the dinner table. This particular evening, Something would happen that would stick with me for the rest of my life and is one of the defining moments that led me to pursue the paranormal. We had all sat down to enjoy Seth's mom's amazing Cajun cooking. I was sitting on one side of the dining room table, to my right was Seth, and to the left at the head of the table was Seth's dad, Mike. We were just eating, chatting, having a casual dinner, when all of a sudden Mike's hands let go of the fork and knife that he's holding and they crashed loudly down onto his plate. He looks frozen, stiff, like something just startled him. My eyes see that he's trying not to make a scene of it, but I notice something else. Every inch of his arms and exposed skin of his neck and shoulders are covered in goosebumps. And these are intense goosebumps. It literally looked like the thousands strands of hair on his body were trying to be ripped out. But what happened next made things even weirder. His wife, Seth's mom, simply said to him quietly, Are they back? And Mike nodded gently. His face was stern and didn't look very happy. He turned his eyes to the dark hallway leading to their bedroom. He stared down it for several seconds, then eventually shook his head and grabbed his utensils and started eating again. I sat there watching, but making sure that Seth's parents didn't notice how much I was paying attention to what just happened. I looked over to Seth eventually, my eyes bulging, trying to ask him without saying, what the heck was that, dude? And Seth shook his head, his eyes telling me, Don't ask. After dinner, Seth and I were doing the dishes and I finally was able to ask him about it. He just told me that he would have to ask his dad if it was cool that we talked about it. It was all so strange. I'd been hanging out with his family for so long and they were so very open and free-spirited and fun. I didn't know where this strange incident I witnessed fit in and why it felt so secretive. But Seth's dad was a cool dude. He drew really, really well, mostly comic book style art, and had long blonde hair Never wore a shirt in the house, and jammed Black Sabbath, Ozzy, and Dio on his record player all day long. While we were finishing the dishes, he was actually sitting at the dining table working on a drawing. Seth said we could go sit and see if he'd talk about what happened. So he pulled up some chairs and started to draw with him, and soon enough Seth told him, Hey Dad, Stephen wants to know what happened at dinner. Mike then looked at me for a brief moment. It felt like he was judging my character and seeing how good a friend I really was to his son. It eventually looked like I passed the test because he told me he would tell me if I really wanted to know. I nodded that I did, and Mike described what happened at dinner. It would be my first time ever hearing someone with a gift like Sarah's recount how they saw spirits. Mike described that there's been a spirit coming to visit him at this house in Pawnee. The spirit would only pop by every now and then, and tonight, for some reason, he was back, and he was still standing there in the hallway leading to their bedroom. As I sat there hearing about his gift, how he's seen spirits since he was a teenager, and how he also has developed a habit of drawing many of them in his sketch pad, I was just completely fascinated. I never told him or Seth about my experience in my room with the girl, but from that point on I'd regularly sit down with Mike after dinners, we'd draw, listen to heavy metal, and talk about the many ghosts he'd encountered and more about his ability. He also talked many nights about spirit guides and how he eventually learned of his two guides and has used them to help him throughout his life. It was these conversations that taught me a lot about the other side and what could potentially exist beyond what we see with our own eyes. And in all honesty, Mike is the only reason I was able to determine that Sarah actually had a gift when I first met her years ago. But as with AJ growing up, I lost touch with Mike. I hadn't talked to him in many, many years, but now that I was facing my own haunting the mysterious spirit of this little girl, I wanted to reconnect and get his thoughts on my current situation. As I mentioned, I'm still good friends with my buddy Seth, so I got his dad's phone number and gave him a ring. We caught up, and I got him up to speed on my case with the girl from my room, and I wanted to get his take on what we knew so far.
2: But that's kind of where we're at with the story. We can't really find out much else, but she... She apparently is still with me after all these years, um, and I don't know what to make of that either, because I remember when I talked with you, you always said people kind of have, most people have guides or, or people that go with them and protect them, and I don't know if that's something that you still notice to
6: this day. Is that still something that goes but, on that you notice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She could be a spirit guide that, uh, you know, that she kind of like stepped forward and volunteered herself, but... I just kind of like don't believe in voluntary spirit guides. What I've read and what I've seen, they're more or less, uh, you know, uh, people that hadn't even walked the earth yet or, or a relative. I would be a little bit leery since she doesn't want to give her name and doesn't show her face. That just doesn't, uh, sound too cool to me. But once she gives a name, you know, everybody has a, uh, there's a history on everybody. You know, the the way our technology is nowadays, you know, you can find anybody and doesn't want to show a face. Uh, I'd be kind of leery about that. I was curious with your history, too,
2: with, like you were saying, with spirit guides, have you ever seen a spirit guide be a child, like anything younger than
6: an adult age? No. That's another thing I was going to tell you. You know, that's because uh, all all spirit guides are mainly, like like I was saying, some has never even lived in this world, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually came from the other side to our side to live, and relatives, relatives, okay, guess, like, like ancestors, yeah, you know, and uh, because I have, like, I have a, a couple relatives that are looking after me, you know.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, so, and I I remember you had some um, some spirit guides back in the day. I if I not if I recall right, it one was like Native American and one was more like a like kind of like a knight,
6: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were those still with you? Oh yeah, I always know when they're around because I can feel them. Yeah, I just haven't, you know, communicated in a long time. Yeah, I just always know when they're around though. Yeah, you know, and I still see things, you know, I still see things, but I don't sit down and try to talk to them anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mike and I talked for hours, and it was amazing to hear more about his gift now that I've grown in my experience and knowledge of the paranormal. And even though this journey I embarked on to solve this mystery of the girl in my room is a bit frightening to me, I'm really glad it's put me back in touch with people who were important in my life and that I somehow lost touch with. But something else happened when I began reconnecting with people from my past. I actually began to stir up old memories, and it brought back things that I'd buried to the surface. When we get back from this short break, I'll share another experience I had in my room that I'd completely forgot about. Sarah, Alexis, and I will travel to my childhood home and try to face this spirit in the space we believe is her territory. And I will be forced to face my fear once and for all and be left alone in the dark in that room in hopes to make contact with the spirit once again. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop, custom printed t shirts made in Austin with love. Now there are many reasons why I love this family owned print shop and why Oh Boy is my go to shop for all things Night Owl, but let me pick one to rave to you about today. Have you ever ordered custom tees from an event or bought some from your favorite band or company, only to realize that they're thick, scratchy, and look like you're wearing a bag that isn't very flattering on you? Well, that's one thing that won't happen to you when you're with Oh Boy Print Shop. They offer a variety of t-shirts to provide the right choice to meet your needs. I myself prefer comfortable, slightly fitted tees that look and feel awesome enough to wear every day, either by themselves or under a throwover shirt or sweater. O'Boy Print Shop helped me pick out a tee that fit those needs, and honestly, when I open my closet in the morning, I skip all my other tees and go straight for the night owl shirt, because it's the most comfortable and flattering tee in my entire closet now. O'Boy's aim is to provide you with the options that help you get the product that meets your every need, so there's no more need for hesitating. Order your first batch of custom-printed tees with Oboy Print Shop today, and you'll be in great hands. Plus, now you can get $50 off your first order by simply mentioning the Night Owl Podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit OboyPrintShop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y PrintShop.com. As I said at the beginning of this journey, I'm looking for validation for the experience I had when I was 11. But what's considered validation when you're investigating a supposed paranormal experience? Is it physical evidence? Is it multiple eyewitnesses? Is it historical research that points to a death or tragedy? Is it someone with a psychic ability describing something no one else could know about? Or is it the sum of all the things I just mentioned? Well, in doing this show, one thing I've found validating is the sum of evidence. And most of the time, it's not physical evidence, but more so the multiple corroborating testimonies. Sarah's insights that align with said testimony or historical data, and then personal experiences. The difficult part of this case is, not only is it personal to me, but when the incident occurred, I was completely alone. But when you look at how Sarah was able to call out what I saw without any prior knowledge, and now we have confirmed that my friend AJ did in fact see something strange upstairs near my room that frightened him, I'm starting to gain some small sense of validation for what I experienced and saw that will back up this idea that there is a girl in my room, I remembered another big event. After graduating college and moving to Austin from Corpus Christi, one day Alexis and I decided that we wanted to explore my personal haunting. This was maybe 10 or more years ago. So we took a trip down to Pawnee and met up with my cousin Clint and decided to do a long EVP session in my old room. We didn't have much happen that night, just a few bumps and creaks that could have just been the old house shifting. But when we played the audio back we discovered two unique captures. Alexis and I had completely forgotten about it, so I got him on the phone because I wanted to get his recollection of what happened that night.
2: We did do a, an EVP session in my room in the early stages of beginning our paranormal research group mm-hmm. the OSS. Can you kind of walk us through that? Because I want to hear it again about the experiences that we had during that EVP session and what we picked up after, after listening to the tape. This was in the early days of the occult times society when we were just kind of starting out, and you had told me the story, and we, we decided to go to your house to investigate. And I think your cousin Clint was there, uh, but it was three of us, and you know guys, and we were in that in your bedroom, and we were asking questions with a very old digital recorder, and we asked a few questions like, you know, who are you? Why are you here? You know, why did you scare Steven? Stuff like that. And in one of the recordings, when we played it back and listened to it, of course there was a lot of nothing, we heard this voice, it definitely sounded feminine, it didn't sound like me, you, or one of your cousins. The first response was kind of mumbled, it was kind of like a, just like a quick response to something, but it kind of trailed off. But the second response that we heard was very loud and clear, which was when she said What? And one of the things that I always tell people, like, how to tell the difference between a, a real EVP and, like, something that maybe somebody had picked up is uh, tonal, and inf- like, inflection, the way the voice sounds. If you say what, like, hey, Stephen, you say what? That's normal. But if you say, hey, Stephen, and the reply back is what? Like, that kind of response, which, which doesn't sound like a normal tone or inflection, that's usually an EVP. And that's exactly what it sounded like. It was kind of like quick, like a what? You know, it wasn't necessarily like a question as much as it was just like a statement of saying what. Yeah, and then um, we lost the, the audio, right? Yeah, I mean, that was so long ago, and that was on an old computer that's long gone from now. And I thought I transferred all the old OS files, and I have some of our old, like, early, early EVPs, but no idea where that one is. That was... I think that was even before we were like full-blown OSS, I think we were just kind of like starting out.
0: As Alexis had mentioned, we lost the audio and it's killing me that we don't still have this file. But I can remember it clear as day now. In the first capture, we heard a female voice mumble a full sentence, but it was inaudible. Too hard to make out a single word that was said, but it was strangely a female voice mumbling in a room with just us, three guys. The second voice that we caught was incredibly clear, and it was a loud whispered, WHAT?! It was none of our voices either. We tried to duplicate it, but we could tell the difference in each of our voices. So with this unique EVP session resurfacing, Sarah's unique visions of the girl spirit without any previous knowledge of my experience, and AJ confirming that he was in fact frightened by a shadow figure near my room years ago, I was getting more and more convinced that my experience was valid, and there might actually be a spirit from my past that I need to confront once and for all. So we packed up our things, and Sarah, Alexis, and I headed for my hometown, Pawnee, Texas. I wasn't sure what Sarah and Alexis had in mind for me, but I had a feeling I wasn't going to enjoy this trip.
7: So I feel that if you're going to talk with the Spirit today, it's important to kind of help with the uh, establishing how that's going to happen, because if we look at the idea of you connecting with the Spirit you haven't had other than working with like ghost hunting and working with recordings, you haven't had a lot of experience with trying to communicate with spirit. So I'm hoping to be there to help you out, to make sure it's done correctly and with the proper protections so that nothing can attach to you or nothing can follow you back essentially. And it's important because although Sarah can speak to spirit and I can speak to spirit, sometimes it's better that this spirit In particular wants to talk to you and if you don't have that ability to do that i would like to show you some ways that you can work with that or try to communicate with her but again with a good spiritual protection to stop anything from happening that we don't want to happen
0: we arrived at my parents house in the early afternoon sarah walked the grounds briefly then entered the house We stood downstairs and let her read the place for a while. Her double walker, which is a spirit that acts a lot like her guide and strongly resembles her husband Renee, he was in the house with us now, and the double walker usually only appears when things aren't safe for Sarah. So I was a little nervous to hear that he was pacing around my house, and Sarah was just waiting to see what he would do. Eventually, she said it appeared that things were safe, according to him, and she began to share what she was picking up.
4: So on the way up here, I was drawing a lot of um, windows, getting a lot of swords and fire. I don't know. I still don't know what that means. Um, but not a clear picture of her, which is really weird because everything else is coming in very clearly. So I think that's a little odd. Um, I'm still getting the see, like, a, like see me, look at me uh, kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, he'll come up there later. Still a lot of focus on Steven. Still a lot of focus on the sword. I don't know what the sword means and this lock. But she's waiting for
0: you. I'm ready. Let's go look. Sarah was getting much of the same the sword, the shield, the lock. But she was saying the girl was waiting for me upstairs in my room. So we made our way up there.
4: Did you do a lot of work while you were in your room?
0: Um, did you spend a
4: lot of time in your room during the day?
0: I did I did do a lot of like drawing and stuff like that. Like that was my pastime. Artwork, creating stuff, and then homework. Yeah. Homework I would do in my room.
4: Like, um you don't see the stressed out type, right?
0: I'm very stressed.
4: Are you really? Yes. You just look calm on the outside yeah, I guess?
0: Yeah, definitely. You can talk to Tal about that. I'm, I'm she always tells me I'm too I'm just way stressed out about everything. I keep it private, though.
4: Somewhere you were younger, you must have been in some kind of an accident. Somewhere by yourself. So you were somewhere by yourself where you picked her up. She keeps telling me she's the sword. I don't know what that means. you know what that means? And you saw her once before that day she scared you. Okay. The second time you saw her, she scared you. She needed me, too. It was okay with the swords. Stop it. She's the sword. And then it's just like you in different stages. You in different stages of your life. Like you when you were little. You when you were a little bit older. You kind of look the way you look now, but different. And then later. And like really weird. Like it's going through like these really strange episodes of time periods in your life. It's like almost she's saying I've always been there. I'm always there. Yes, Stephen does a lot of work. Yes, Steven needs to calm down. Steven, I don't mean to scare you. More eyes, more swords. She's like, I just want you to see that I'm not gonna hurt you. She's showing me how she died. So she drowned somehow. She has a lock. The lock is hers. The lock is like at her feet or around her waist. But that has nothing to do with you. That's not not important, not important. Okay, it's not important. The most important image is the sword. It's on fire. It's in her hand. But she's saying me like it's her attachment or it's her thing. And then she'll show me you. The order is see, die, me, sword. And that's important. So it's see, me, sword. That's important for you to know in that order. I shouldn't have scared you. I didn't mean to scare you. She didn't mean to scare you. I don't know. That's why I keep asking you. Please tell me what your name is. Just Stephen knows. Stephen knows. You know her name. Stephen. You know. Stephen knows. I know. Why does Stephen and I know? But Alexis knows, right? Well, you and I apparently know her name, and I just haven't put that together.
7: I mean, a sword on fire in most myth, mythological and spiritual traditions is a powerful sword of protection. St. Michael, the archangel, carries a flaming sword. sword. Uh, The cherubs carry a flaming sword. There's a flaming sword that could remove the guardian gates of heaven because it's that powerful and open up heaven to everyone else, Christian mythology. And there was a flaming sword that was removed from the Garden of Eden to let people back into paradise. So a flaming sword is not necessarily... A dark thing and every single time that you mention whether or not she's harmful the sword keeps coming back and to me that says that she's more protective and the fact that you keep saying see me sword see that I am a protector for Steven and then you kept saying about how you keep seeing different levels of his life I have been protecting him through different levels of his life. That's what I was seeing when you were talking about it.
0: I'll be honest, I didn't get much more closure from this session with Sarah visiting my childhood home. It seemed like things were still so cryptic and unclear for her. The one thing that both Sarah and Alexis believed was that she was trying to reiterate that she was safe. Sarah was getting that she was sorry for scaring me, and Alexis caught on to the fact that every time I would question her safety and her intentions, is exactly when Sarah would report the imagery of, See. Me. Sword. And Alexis's interpretation of this was that she was trying to say that she was my protector. She was safe. The only thing I could do now was isolate myself in the room, and after all these years, attempt to open up a space for communication between me and this mysterious girl, who's haunted me my entire life.
7: Uh, A lot of the times when spirits want to come talk to us when we're not sensitive is the dream state or right between the dream-wake state. And there's only one way to replicate that, which is through meditation. So what I'm suggesting is that you go to the room and we would do just a basic meditation to get you on that level and you would literally open yourself up more And um, I will have one stone for you that will help, which is an obsidian stone, which is also known as the smoking mirror in the Aztec Mexica tradition, which can help you see the other side, essentially, which you could use as something to look into, or you could just hold it.
0: And is there anything I can do to protect myself before we do this?
7: Well, before we start, we'll do a nice basic cleansing and remove everything. And then afterwards, the same deal. Okay.
0: All right. Let's do it. Alexis performed a cleansing ritual for me to protect me from any negative energies or spirits, but to allow positive interaction with the child spirit if her intentions weren't malicious. We then made our way up to my old bedroom. (laughs) Oh, man.
7: So with meditation, it's about trying to put yourself into that relaxing state so let's start with just a basic really simple exercise if i can guarantee you that if you keep doing that and you keep getting to that state you'll just be putting yourself into a meditative state and you can listen and you'll hear words you may even see pictures or see drawings or something mm-hmm. and then you can also use the stone which you can also just hold in your hand or you can look into the stone and see if you get anything okay but this is perfect lighting okay all right
0: all right Okay, this is me alone in my room with the stone that Alexis gave me. I'm going to try to kind of relax and meditate and see if I get anything. After a very long time... Nothing had happened, and I wanted to open up communication by speaking to the spirit directly. So I started a final EVP session in my room. Just note that the pauses between questions was much longer. I just wanted to edit this uh, tighter for time-saving purposes. Okay, for the last five minutes or so, I'm going to open this up. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not sensing anything. I'm talking directly to you, the spirit that I saw or that came to me when I was a kid. If you want to say something or want me to know something, I'm giving you this opportunity. Just tell me your name. Can you say it so I can hear it in this microphone? Can you tell me when you found me or when I found you? Can you tell me where it was? You can say something in this microphone and I can hear it. Tell me something. Is there anything that you want? Why did you come to me when I was a kid? I just want to give you an opportunity to do something or say something. Because I don't do this often, as you know. After spending a long time alone, with the curtains drawn and in the darkness, laying where I dreaded all these years, I had nothing happen. No sightings, no visions, no sounds. And when I replayed the audio, listening carefully between the long silences, I found nothing as well. This left me very confused and... Quite honestly, frustrated. I'd finally built up the nerve to face this thing. And it had the best opportunity to communicate with me. But it didn't take it. Nothing happened. So I went downstairs and told Alexis and Sarah about everything.
4: Mom, she's happy that you made an attempt. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But she needs you to be calm? No. No. Calm down.
0: Mm-hmm. Calm down. Okay.
4: And again with the, the C still same thing. C me sword.
0: C me okay. sword. Okay. Hmm. Alright.
7: I think she just, you know, she she's what it comes down to for me, what I what I'm getting or picking up, she's Something that attached to you at a very young age, she obviously reached some form of enlightenment before that. So, and she's protecting you, and I think that when she scared you, she didn't mean to do that and so she feels bad about it because she's a protector and protectors don't scare. And so she's trying to show you like, no, I'm just a protector, like don't be afraid of me. And so you, still, you still are kind of afraid of her because of what you saw. But it's weird because very few times do we ever see our guides in that way. You know what I mean? I mean, you may even have a gift that you don't know about.
0: Before even starting this case, I knew it was going to be a difficult one for me. Not only because it was personal, but because I somehow knew deep down inside that the story wasn't going to have closure. Or at least the closure that I was looking for. But the story didn't end here. While finishing up at the Clay pit case, Sarah opened up to me about some changes she'd been noticing pertaining to me, the girl from my room, and a new male spirit she started to notice around me.
1: We had gone to your parents' house, you know, and gone gone there to see if we could get in touch with her. And then, you know, time went by, and I started seeing that new, I told you that new spirit, that it's a male, like, it was a male spirit, but he knew you, and he like, kind of gave me that, Oh yeah, you know, I know. And, you know, he was a younger spirit. For some reason, he, like, it was... The way that he's coming across was, like, it's a friendship, and he almost knew you. When he appeared, the girl couldn't talk to me anymore. She would try to send me messaging, and it was, like, getting cut off. Like, the message wasn't coming all the way through. So I would get half pictures or finished pictures, and then when I tried to concentrate it, concentrate on it, the picture would go away, and then he would be there, like the male spirit. So then when I would see you again, I would just see him. She was kind of, like, in the background, and I thought, oh, that's a little odd, but... You know, nothing. You know, I mean, it just kept falling back and forth like that for a few weeks. So there was that really big, there was like a really big uh, thunderstorm. And storms like that for me are nightmares. Because all it is is just energy swirling around the place. So in kind of like a half-sleep state, I couldn't settle down. And when I opened my eyes, I saw that same male spirit kind of leaning over me to kind of tell me oh everything's going to be alright you know we're going to be okay it was a really weird like the feeling that I had was not like urgent or anything but it was just I was just pumped up full of energy and when I looked away from him I saw all these other people including my own guys and the girl so they were talking to her for a little bit and then he again kind of reassured me like oh no everything's going to be okay and then they all just left with her Like, they just, I don't know, they just took her someplace. I don't know what they did, but they all left with her, including my own guides, because I had to wait uh, a couple of days before my guides actually came back. So I was like, what just happened? And yet that male spirit that's there is still around you. Every so often I'll see him, not as often as I used to see her, but then I haven't seen her since. It's been a a long time. I don't have any theories as to what happened. It's just really strange. It's almost like you just swapped out um, guides, maybe, or... She just left and
0: he stayed. So suffice it to say I was still very confused at this point. This new incident where the girl from my room was taken away by a room full of ghosts in Sarah's house happened sometime in the spring of 2018. And at this point in time, I was slammed in trying to finish up the Clay Pit edits and move on to our next case, the Spider House Cafe. But I'll be honest... I was somewhat relieved that Sarah was no longer being troubled by the girl, and I could move on and refocus my attention on the show and my life, but I still somehow knew that this wasn't the end of her story. Jump ahead to 2019. We're on season 3 and I'm trying to kick things off right. My gut tells me, tell your story, Steven. The listeners have been asking for it, so let's give it to them. So I crafted what you've heard thus far and honestly was worried about where this was going to end up, knowing that I had no real closure for this story the mysterious girl from my room, or myself. But as I began re-listening to the audio, piecing the mystery together as I always do, I was inclined to dig deeper as often is the case with stories like this. I just didn't know where to look anymore. Quite honestly, I'd hit a dead end, but one person I should reach out to did come to mind. Veteran Psychic Elaine Ireland. I'd gotten to know her well on two other cases we had on the show, and I figured it wouldn't hurt to give her a ring, give her some information to work from, and see if anything came through. Disclaimer, I did detail everything that I experienced to Elaine, and I just wanted to get her impressions on everything that I knew up to now. So everything you're hearing, she did have previous knowledge of what I experienced in my room when I was a kid.
3: You know, I've never understood why spirit thought that they had to scare the crap out of us by manifesting in a way that is traumatizing, especially as a kid. And they will do that when they could appear as a pink unicorn and get just as much attention. But they, some of them insist on not only appearing in a horrible way that traumatized you, but in several different ways, and it's the same energy, but it's, they're getting your attention. What some of them don't realize is that that's shutting you off rather than encouraging you to stay aware and reach out. The first thing I picked up when you were talking was that it was a double image. It was almost like twins overlapping, and sometimes if you look straight onto it, it would overlap to the right, and sometimes it would overlap to the left. Now, that may not be how you saw it, but there's a double message in there somehow. And if if it's going to Sarah and pointing to the phone and she's missed the call, there's more going on here than just, getting your visual and acknowledging your visual. This energy wants very badly to communicate with you, and they're not realizing that they can. Even if you can't hear them or see them in a real, 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 real clear way, they can communicate with you. But for some reason, they're either choosing not to or they don't know. Now, this visual has been around for a long time. It goes back before you were born. This has been hanging around waiting for the energy that is you to come through, and now that's happened. Sarah's right. You're not going to go away. It, you're going to have to let them know that you do see them. You honor the fact that they've taken a lot of energy to come down, so to speak, and and where you can see them, where you would acknowledge them, it's unfortunate that it scared you so badly because had they not scared you that way, the two of you would have had a communication going all your life, and there would have been much that could have been shared. It can still happen, but you're going to have to be the one that faces them and says, hey, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to talk. I'm willing to read just get in touch. Now they're having to go to Sarah or they feel like they're having to go to Sarah to get that reconnection with you. Yeah. Not not going to go away until you guys have that talk. I agree with you totally about the, the little girl that scared you so badly. She had been dead for a very 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 long time. And I think that parts of her body, her hands may have looked older than if you could have seen her feet. Her body seems to be out of this portion, and the face had an elongated chin. I don't know how else to describe it.
2: I never got to see the face. It was always covered in the hair. I never got to see it. And she then didn't there want
3: anybody to, She didn't want anybody to see her face, hmm. anybody to see her face. I bet you that child was deformed the more hmm. I think about it. But, gosh, that takes a lot of energy for them. It takes so much energy to create these visuals for us. That's why meditation is so important, so we can be more elevated and more aware. They don't have to work so hard to get to us. But your communication with this being, even if it was just the one being, really hasn't begun. I mean, other things have happened, but the communication hasn't begun, where you can carry on a conversation, so to speak, or at least hear, you know, feel what they're trying to say, like... That one pointed it at the phone, and Sarah had missed a call from you. That takes energy. And that spirit was telling her to communicate with you. She's wanted you to see her since the very first time you've ever been exposed to her. And yet she's the one who keeps hiding herself. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to give her permission to show herself to you. Everything about her is asking for permission. Yeah, you're going to have to give her permission, and it's going to take more than one exchange probably in order to get that. First of all, to let her know you understand, and then to give her the courage to pull her hair back. Because as a human being, that's what she could just lower her head and nobody could see her. The land that you were on, your grandparents' land, that's why I was yeah. asking where you were when you were five connects her with you spirit saying she's partial to the land but she's partially of the land
2: i never did anything for her like i never now we've become really versed with ceremonies and rituals and, and practices and i kind of want to see if alexis would go with me to both my grandparents property and my parents property and maybe do a a
3: ceremony for her that is an excellent idea that feels right, yes, feathers I get feathers you need you need feathers, and I don't know what area you're going to go or what you're going to use, but I get a turkey feather My
2: yeah. grandpa raised turkeys uh, uh-huh. yeah
3: uh-huh.
2: turkeys are pretty popular back where I'm from, so it's a good it's a part of the, the land
3: and if she Died on that land, then she's lived, observed lives that included turkeys. Yeah. That would make sense. <laughs> she wants a comb. She used a wooden comb when she was alive. I don't know where you get one of those. There's bound to be somebody that still sells them. It took so much energy for her to communicate with you, and you in particular. So to honor her effort would be a uh, high level of respect. That's a great idea.
0: Following this conversation with Elaine, I felt more confident in the decision to go do something to honor this spirit. The reason this hadn't crossed my mind prior to this call was because I was still so torn on believing that she was good. The incident from my past left a negative impression on me as a child. It was hard to look past that and see what Sarah and Alexis were telling me, that she appeared to have good intentions, and was showing symbols of protection. So for the first time ever, I was starting to realize I needed to do something to let the spirit know I understood that, and I trusted her now. I reached out to Alexis and we made a plan to get to Pawnee and perform a series of ceremonies, both on my grandparents' property and in my old bedroom. And on December 15th, we arrived at my grandparents' house in Pawnee, Texas.
7: What I'm doing essentially is a ceremony, specifically thanking the land, because I don't think it's ever been thanked before to remove any negative blessings from this land and honoring the spirits and the ancestors that were a part of this land way before we were, as well as the land itself. So this will be the first part. And then the second part, what we're gonna do at your house will be an elevation, specifically for the spirit, which you'll be doing most of the work with. We give blessings and offerings to this land, to those that were here before us. We give blessings and offerings to the land that was here before our spirits were here. We thank you and give offerings to you for the things that you brought us. We
0: thank you for the blessings you brought upon us. Alexis and I are in my old bedroom, preparing for a ceremony. I'm sitting at my old desk, with my back facing to the room. And Alexis has prepared a, I guess, maybe an altar of sorts. with Palo Santo, agua florida, wooden comb, turkey feather from my grandfather's ranch, and six small glasses of water, and one big glass of water and a white candle. I'm facing out the window, looking at this big oak tree that I always used to see.
7: We set up this space, we set up this spiritual altar specifically for the child spirit that we come here for. We offer this light and elevation to you as a blessing to you so that hopefully now that you've moved on and you've been to the other world and the other side, you have that light that you need that is necessary to bring you the elevation in order to communicate correctly with Stephen. Bring forth that peace and that light and that elevation to the spirit so that they can move forward with their proper communication, show their true message to Stephen as it needs to be said. As the Spirit itself has asked for, we have brought the wood comb and turkey feathers as an offering of blessing. We also offer a piece of the land as an offering and blessing, the land from which you may have come from. And we offer light and elevation. Now it's time for just communication. So just to sit for a little bit and open yourself up to the spirit to allow her to come forward. And if you see anything, feel anything, hear anything, see anything in your mind's eye, just say it, no matter what it is.
0: Say it out mm-hmm. I sat here at my drawing desk facing the window for quite some time. Slowly imagery started to come to me. I'm going to cut the verbalization of this imagery to be tighter just to save time. Just want you listeners to know that these images didn't come to me as quickly as they sound in this edit. See a tree. Child running across a field. Look, like siblings playing, laughing, whispering. Secret. The name Sarah now see like a shape kind of a mass that keeps forming but it doesn't take shape. It's surrounded by it's hard to tell like a greenish light and it keeps moving. Not getting much else.
7: Well, I did a reading before we left to find out like what kind of ceremony we needed to do, and the first thing they came up was to say that we needed to do an offering to the land, which we did at your grandfather's place. And the second part of the ceremony, it said to uh, work with the ancestors and offer elevation. So what we did is what we would call an ancestral elevation, but in this case, she's not an ancestor. She's a spirit So it was a spiritual elevation where we offered light and water and We basically did like a short form version of a Misa Which is a mass that we would do a spiritual mass to open ourselves up to speak to spirit But what we did instead of opening ourselves to speak to all spirits is we we're just opening up to this specific spirit so we offered elevation first so that she had that elevation to come forward. And then we opened it up so that you could speak to her directly. And so what you did essentially was open yourself up as a medium to try to speak with the spirit directly. So the whole time that you were getting images, I kept getting some images as well. Mostly I was seeing some country images, some like land images. So that tells me that maybe she is related to the land. But one thing that really stood out was I kept seeing what I could only describe as feathers. It kind of looked like an axe, but it was made of feathers, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, And then I saw her face, and she did have a slight deformation of the face, but it wasn't, it was jarring, but not jarring to the point where it would scare me. It was just jarring enough to be like, oh, okay, that's maybe the reason why she's hiding her face. So I encouraged her to, even though she was ashamed of her face, to still find her way to come to you and then you were saying things like, I'm seeing a girl, I'm seeing family, "I'm," you know, you said something about a secret, I think, where you heard, like, whispering in a secret. So I think that she still has some issues about trying to reveal herself to you, but that's all I got. What I ended up seeing was,
0: um, I saw her doing this. Like she was telling you something? Yeah, yeah, I kept, I kept seeing like that, but then I kept seeing like, running in the field, come, come. Okay. And I, But I thought I saw her running with siblings or kids her own age. Other, other people. Yeah, and I didn't see anything in the face, but it, it was not, like I said, I can't get any details really. Yeah. Um, but the weird shapes, things, I couldn't tell if that was just my eyelids being closed and things Well, nothing was moving. Like moving
7: in front of the window.
0: I know, and it was like constantly swelling and reshaping and yeah. swelling and reshaping, and there was a green aura around the yeah. shape, but it didn't take a shape of anything. It just kept being like... Like m- amoebus type movement, and
7: when that was happening, I was like encouraging her, like show yourself, show yourself to him, show yourself, like don't be afraid, you know. And I think she still has a lot of growing to do, and so she's she's not able to fully show herself just yet to you. But I think she was trying. Okay, I think that's what those shapes were.
0: Alexis and I left Pawnee feeling very positive about this trip. We actually did something to address the spirit and possibly elevate her to a point where eventually she may be able to deliver this message she wants to deliver to me. But on the drive back, I reflected on more of this case. I thought back to all that had happened revolving around this girl from my childhood bedroom. And more of the puzzle started to come together for me. As I mentioned before, I was going to have to dig within my own personal memories on this case. And sometimes, when you have an experience such as I did as a kid... You don't always want to confront truths that may, in fact, be slapping you right in the face. In the days that would follow this road trip, I'd come to find more clues to the unsolved mystery from my past and eventually believe that I actually got the message that this girl has been trying to tell me my whole life. But first, let's uncover the new discoveries that I made from my old recordings and new phone calls. First, a surprising new lead came in the form of an old conversation that I had recorded with my mother-in-law over a year and a half ago. Visiting my in-laws in Arlington one weekend many years ago, my mother-in-law had, in passing, mentioned that she saw a little girl around me. I knew my mother-in-law was a very spiritual woman, and I figured that she might have just had a vision or something. She called her my daughter, so I didn't quite connect this incident with the girl from my room. I didn't have children, nor had I lost any, so we didn't delve further into what she was seeing this weekend. But months later... I took my recorder up with me and documented what my mother-in-law was seeing. Keep in mind that at the time of this recording, I hadn't begun investigating my own personal case yet. So a lot of what she said didn't fully click with me yet. But now, more involved in this case, hearing everything I'd heard from Sarah, Alexis, Mike, and Elaine, when I re-listened to this audio I recorded last year, a lot more clicked.
8: I see a little girl. She's around, I can tell, about seven or eight years old. And then she wears the white dress. Right now, what she said, she said, you know, she want you to know her well. And she said, you saw her, but you're afraid. She says one times when you sleep and she tries to pass over you feel like this way you sleep but like uh, not really go to sleep and she tried to do that and uh, looked like she um, yeah she played with you on that that was she said you know
0: but i'm curious to know if, do you see how old i am when she did that
8: around 11 12 about that times and okay now i saw that look like you hit on the ground and then she come, and then she yield her hand to hold your head under. She tried to protect you.
0: Rehearing this audio, and my mother-in-law describing me having some sort of accident where I hit my head, and this girl spirit came to my aid, stirred something in me. I began thinking about something that Sarah told me when we first walked up to my old bedroom during our first investigation. I'll replay it here.
4: Somewhere you were younger, you must have been in some kind of an accident. Somewhere by yourself. So you were somewhere by yourself where you picked her up.
0: And now, a memory of an accident I had when I was younger was surfacing.
2: Just before this incident where I saw her happened, I was probably 10 or or just turning 11. I had a really bad fall trying to get something off the roof. And I hit my head and I was unconscious, but no one knew it. And And she held your
1: head in between her knees and held on to you. That was the image she always showed me. She always showed me that she was looking. You were upside down. So she was looking down at you, holding your head. I eventually
2: came out of this white. I saw white. Came out of it. My finger and my wrist were broken badly. I could see my finger turn around. And I I started screaming. And I got up and I ran inside. And I don't know how long I was out. You know, I just know I, it went white when I fell. And it was the weirdest feeling I ever felt. But now I wonder if that's tied to something. Like it, it took me to a side where she somehow, you know, came to my aid or something. And I, I, that was weird. It was around an older age. I know that, um, I think you had said maybe five is when you thought the accident might've happened. But, um, but that was on my grandparents' property where I fell. Something traumatic did happen to me. It wasn't when I was five. It was more like when I was 10 or 11. But what's weird is that was really close to when I saw her in my room.
0: Sarah had continuously told me that the little girl found me when I was younger, around five years old, she said. And from birth to about nine years old, my parents and I had been living on my grandparents' property in a trailer home. She believed I'd also had a traumatizing accident at that time as well. My mind kept thinking back and I even asked my parents, but nothing had happened to me when I was five years old. But I forget, Sarah's gift isn't always perfect. She's just trying to make sense of images she's shown and flashed. So it's possible to think that this girl may have been showing her images of me as young as five years old to give us clues that would lead us to my grandparents' property as her origin. It wasn't until I re-listened to my mother-in-law's audio that I remembered my fall at my grandparents' house. The moment of unconsciousness that felt so surreal. That intense white light that I saw when I hit my head on the ground in the metal chair that I fell on. And what's even stranger now is I remembered something I'd pushed aside as just a mere figment of my mind from the haziness of the impact. I remember someone being there, helping me up, and talking to me, but I don't remember seeing the person or hearing their exact words or voice. It was more of a presence, because I remember when I came to, it was jarring. Like I was forced to stand up and snap back into consciousness. And I was so confused at first as to why my grandma or mom wasn't around because I had felt someone around me, helping me up. But then, the pain hit. I saw my broken finger and wrist and it yelled out for help. Ran inside and found everyone in there. My mom helped me get rushed to the ER and I got splints and a cast for my wrist. But my head was fine apparently, no concussion. But there was a nice little cut where I broke the flesh on the back upper left side of my head. I still have the scar today.
2: So Alexis did a ceremony out there specifically for her, and then we did one at my house in my room where I sat at the window, looking out the window. I communicated, it opened up again, and I got some information, but it was very subtle and weird. I couldn't, I'm I'm not sure if it was just my imagination or if it was real, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I did get the name Sarah, and then I saw a bunch of kids, mostly girls, playing out in the field, And then the one that I thought I saw was, like, laughing and waving to me to come join them in the field. And then she looked different, though. She didn't look scary. So that's the only thing that was really different for me. She didn't look quite the same, but she looked, like, completely, like, happy and normal, whereas the one I saw in my room was a lot lot more eerie and unnerving for some reason. That's what I saw when we did the ceremony in my head.
1: When we were constantly asking her name, remember how she would never answer, but she would just tell me, well, well you guys both know my name. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So it was it's really weird that we did. <laughs> we both knew her name. So it was really funny. Yeah.
2: And that name came to us in a unique way. And then, yeah. I, I, I had thought of that name first, and I said, no, no, that's my... That's, I know that name a lot, so I was like, I know a lot of people with that name, so I just made up a new name mary was what i was gonna call you i think or maria and then you were like no i don't like that name and then I, and then you suggested sarah and i was like well i was thinking sarah but i i thought it was too common in my family common. so i didn't want to use it but we used it and it was yeah. funny because that was the first thing that came in my head before you even said that
0: you know we run away from things most of the time because we don't fully understand them And I think the more I search for answers in this field, the less I run away from what happened to me when I was 11. And even though there was no definitive piece of evidence or shocking discovery that proved exactly what this experience in my room truly was, I still feel I've reached a certain level of closure with this experience within myself. And even through all my efforts I never physically got to see the girl from my room again or hear directly from her what it is that she urgently wanted me to know, I honestly feel in my heart that I got the message. Because I feel she delivered it through my recordings, through my friends, and through editing this episode. There's one other story I had forgotten about. It happened sometime in the winter of 2017, prior to our Clay Pit investigations. I had had a particularly rough day where one bad thing happened after the other. It was especially intense that day because I remember I had to go straight from work to the gym to sit in the steam room and try to calm down. While in the steam room with my headphones in, I got an incoming call from Sarah. So I step out into the locker room to take the call. I don't record it because it's just not an ideal place to do so, but when I answer the call, the first thing Sarah says to me is, are you okay? I responded with a lie. Yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? Sarah then tells me that she was getting bombarded by my girl to pick up her phone and call me right away. She felt that something was wrong. I then admitted to Sarah that I in fact had a really bad day and was at the gym to de-stress. She told me that the girl was just really concerned and wanted Sarah to check in with me. I thanked Sarah and I told her that I'd be fine and I was just going to finish up at the gym and call it a night. This is before we'd gone on any investigation into this case with my girl. But looking back at this call, it brought all the other moments on this journey together for me, finally. And it painted a clear picture of what this girl from my room was trying to tell me. Listen to these next couple of audio clips from our time investigating this case that seem to have more significance to me now. What did she show you when you... Because when you, you did mention some stuff about... You asked me if I was stressed or...
4: Yes, she's uh, worried, but the way she expressed it was like, I could see you. like, um, It's like you, but with a vibration, and that to me always means stress or... um like something's wrong something's wrong with that person I don't know how to ex- expl- explain it when I see people I can see it also I can see when they're kind of like like there's a vibration of, of of anguish or something in them I can see it and that's what she's showing me so that's why I'm like oh he's you know and then I thought well it's kind of weird because you never really looks all stressed out so but you said yeah you're like super stressed all the time and so she's like okay so she's worried about that I'm worried about the whatever stress you have
0: and then you, she said something about working a lot or what did she show you?
4: You working, like I could see you like huddled over doing something or doing something else and it was like the um, the, the speed of which you were doing it like you were trying to do multiple things at the same time um, it was like, Stephen's over here, Stephen's over there, Stephen's over here, Stephen's over there. And you were bouncing around in, in different places, like here, sitting here, laying down, sitting down, standing up, sitting here, moving there, going there, going here. So she was showing me. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He did a lot of stuff. He was always doing a lot of things. So you never really stilled enough, I think, for her to be able to reach out. And the only time I think he was still, was he was asleep. That's why probably she that was the advantage she had to come and talk to him.
7: So, I think the reason why she keeps giving that message of see me sword, flaming sword, is her way of saying see me protecting spirit. Because the flaming sword is a symbol of protection. So, I'm just your protector. Don't, Don't be afraid of who I am. And another thing I find interesting is in order for you to communicate with her, you have to meditate and relax and put yourself in that state which is something you don't normally do at all. And it's something that you should do. And she even kept telling Sarah, like, he needs to calm down. He needs to bring himself down. So maybe that's her way of saying, like, you need to meditate more. You need to bring yourself down more because you're too up here, you know, and help yourself get back to that level. A lot of spiritists believe that when you have a ghost experience, it's because a spirit is trying to give you a message, and so in this case it was like that was your experience your experience was her kind of telling you bring it down come, come back down which if you think about it the actual experience you had makes sense because you were literally above up now the only thing is why you would have that experience at such a young age unless maybe something traumatic had happened in that sense or around that time but now more so than ever she's telling you come back
0: down I feel like a majority of my life is me scrambling, rushing, trying to get things. And, and I put a lot on my plate all the time. And I don't feel like I have any more free time. I haven't felt like I've had free time in, since I can remember. Like, I've always been a go-getter, get it done. I mean, I work on film. I work on this podcast. I work full-time. I have a tiny house I'm building. You know what I mean? Like you think about all these things that I've got burning on my stovetop, and I'm not, I'm not able to just like turn it off. I'm like, Oh, when can I like turn it off and relax? It's not possible. But I, it's interesting to hear her telling Sarah that she described that seeing me doing all this, like going everywhere, doing, working a lot and telling me to, I need it. I need to calm down. Because I do feel that. I just... Part of me also is so driven that I don't want to give up on all these things I love. But how do I find that balance and how do I get back down from what she's saying I'm doing like, to calm down? Uh, where, where do I begin with that? You know,
7: Exactly. And I think that's one of the messages she's giving you is you need to do this and it'll help you in the long run. Because if not, you're looking at high blood pressure, you're looking at inflammation, anger, frustration, all these things that could happen from not giving yourself a chance to rest properly. And I already know that you don't sleep.
8: Because that's the whole point of this podcast. See, <laughs> happy now because, you know, before I told you, but you don't pay attention about that. Now you had another one talk to you and then... You think more about her. Why two people talk about that girl. You know, you think more about her. That's why she wanted the people pay attention on that. It's no accident that she came
3: to you, sweetie. You based a lot of your podcast efforts on that experience. that makes sense? Yeah. So there was, there was more than one reason for her to connect with you. She helped to create a curiosity and a respect for the paranormal and not everybody can do what you do not everybody has the wherewithal the drive the any and, and in your own way the lack of fear that you go through while you're doing your investigative work that takes courage to do that if you can face what you faced with her at a very young age you matured very quickly into the metaphysical world so she gifted you with that Ancestors took her away to help her and to leave you be. But the more you're by yourself without her, the more work you do, the more you dig in to solving her riddle, which, by the way, you will solve a little bit at a time. And as she comes back over the next 10 to 15 years, you will find her to be calmer, more mature. She was perfect timing. there's a reason why they do things like that and they'll work with her on the other side there's training there's calming there's grooming it's a form of grooming and that's why i say when you connect with her again she'll be different she's already done everything she needed to do up to this point to get you to this point i know that that is not your last communication with her you'll have more throughout your life but now they will be more mature and less frantic, more calm, because your ancestors took her to help her, but also to clear the path for you out of fear. The ritual will help, but once you actually recognize her effort and you can communicate with her freely, the easier this work will be for you to do and the more of it you will be able to do that's even more complicated than what you've ever done now. And that you have her to thank for that.
0: The journey I took to face my own fear and confront the girl from my room turned out a lot different than I expected. I went in nervous and scared to deal with this presence I encountered when I was 11 years old and have emerged from this investigation beaten, battered, and exhausted. And it's all my own doing, because if I had just opened up my mind to the possibility that this girl from my room could potentially have good intentions, rather than bad ones, I might have gotten her message a lot sooner. She appeared to Sarah when I was at my worst, stressed, not sleeping, working endless hours to maintain a full-time job in this show, and she continuously tried to tell me what I needed to hear. And at the close of this case... The reason this episode took so long to come out was because at the end of November, I got really sick. It was the two years of endless sleepless nights, tight deadlines and eating poorly that came crashing down on me like a ton of bricks. My immune system took a nosedive and I've been battling colds, viruses, ear infections, eye infections, and I have even lost partial hearing in my left ear. It got so bad I've been to nine doctors in the last 30 days. But don't worry, although I'm still fighting through my third round of sickness this month, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think it's a coincidence that this all came together at the close of this year. Because this new year, I'm going to focus on myself and my health. I'm going to make better decisions with managing this show. And I'm going to finally make the move to go part-time with my job. Don't worry, Sarah. The girl from my room, Sarah. I hear you loud and clear. I'm going to calm down, and thanks for looking out for me. Thanks for listening to episode 25 of the Night Owl Podcast. A reminder that the show has a month-long break in January, so there will be no new episodes released next month. We will, however, be rolling out a ton of exclusive new content on our Patreon page, So if you aren't a Night Owl patron, go to patreon.com slash thenightowlpodcast and become a part of our amazing supportive family for as little as a dollar a month. Our next investigative series will drop on February 24th, so stay tuned for that. I'm excited about the future of this show, with Ghost Tours most likely becoming a year-round offering, more hidden drink menus like the ones at Clay Pit and soon-to-be Buenos Aires Cafe on January 2nd, but more importantly, I'm excited about the goals I've set for myself regarding my health. And self care. Happy New Year, Night Owls, and we'll see you in 2020. I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me, Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show, Jennifer for keeping us organized and on schedule, as well as assistant editing, my dad, Sam, for his historical research assistance, Alex for his help assistant editing, and my very supportive wife, Tao for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftworks Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Oh Boy Print Shop. If you have the need for custom t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of O'Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl Podcast to get $50 off your first order. And starting on January 2nd, don't forget to stop by Buenos Aires Cafe and ask for our new Hidden Spirits menu behind the bar. Grab a special haunted cocktail and support the show. Thank you all, and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcast or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.